Hi, and welcome to the Classroom to Clerkship podcast, a five-part series about transitioning from the classrooms of medical school to the wards and clinics of the medical school clerkships. I'm your host, Lauren Kutcher. In this episode, the fifth and final episode of the series, we will be talking to Dr. Steve Cacciardi and Dr. Olivia Campa, both of whom have served as chief residents of internal medicine here at UC Davis. These two are awesome role models and teachers for many reasons. Not only are they insightful and encouraging, but they are also hilarious. You'll see what I mean. And now, without further ado, on to the episode. Hello, we're here with Olivia Campa and Hi. Steve Cacciardi. We have that's a chief and a and a future chief. Yes. Um, and we're here today to talk about medical education. So maybe first you guys could tell us each a little bit about why, um, you know, how you decided to go into medicine and um, why you decided to become a chief, just briefly. Dr. Campa, I defer to you. Oh, okay. I guess <laughs> I'll start. Um, so I worked, I worked in a geriatric psychiatry research program after college and I used to run research studies and so that's how I became interested in becoming a doctor because I really enjoyed working with the geriatric population and thought it would be really great to be able to work with that population from the capacity of a physician. So that's why I went to medical school and I also did some other research prior and really enjoyed interviewing patients, getting to know their stories, and finding out who they were, kind of not only from a disease standpoint, but who they were as people and how that interplayed with their illness. Cool. And so what kind of led you into the direction of a future teaching role? Okay. So I guess I have a particular passion for diversity in medicine. I am a Mexican female, so I'm of a very small percentage of physicians in medicine. And I think not only my personal experience, but my professional experience has really shown me the importance of having diverse perspectives in leadership positions. Mm. And so I've seen it as a personal goal, but also an obligation to people who, you know, being a Mexican female in medicine, we often say people who have come before me and who will come after me because we see ourselves as paving the way for people uh, from similar backgrounds to not only enter into medicine but to be strong leaders and to really succeed and excel and to train future generations. So for me, it's really my professional, it's become part of my professional goal to be a leader in medicine and to help people who look like me and maybe think like me kind of maximize their potential. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Good response is difficult to <laughs> yeah. Can you beat difficult that? To maybe beat. you should have gone first, Dr. Control. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, how well, about you? <laughs> okay. All right. So um I, so why did I go into medicine? Well, you know, so I kind of the response is science plus I think a little of teaching. So I, I was an engineering major in college 
and family, kind of very science heavy. And I remember kind of studying science and engineering, really loved it. It wasn't until college I started doing some actually volunteering, some teaching, um, and just like being around people <laughs> really is what kind of like drove me more towards a scientific field where you're able to, to interact um, a little bit more. You're able to really get to the, you know, the nitty gritty of people's lives, you know. So um, that's what kind of drove me into medicine. And I think as far as the, you know, the chief role, it was, well, it's definitely the teaching aspect um, in that constantly we're doing teaching in medicine. Um, and you don't, you don't really, or you learn something the best when you teach it. Mm. Um, so I think the ability to, to kind of be a leader of the residents and do a lot of teaching, work with the medical students was what kind of um, drove me to wanting to stick around for a year and be a chief. That's great. That actually, that was a good answer. Thanks. <laughs> you did well. Yeah. Um, kind of back, back to that. Um, both of you, I know have unique ways of, of both learning and teaching. Um, and I think for people who are going to start their clinical years, but also those progressing in their clinical years, I think both of you probably have very, very good tricks of the trade and, and how to incorporate your clinical knowledge and gain more clinical knowledge. Um, and what are the ways that you, um, especially in your third and fourth year of med school, um, started down that path of learning medicine and how to how to be in clinical medicine. Want to start? Sure. <laughs> okay. So learning clinical medicine, hmm, only something that can be done with with time. I think is the toughest thing. You know, like I think you're when you're in your book years, you you can pick up a book and say, well, once I finish this book on in cardiac physiology, I'm going to understand it. And clinical medicine is a little different because a lot of the stuff is pattern recognition. It's time. Um, so I think early on people can get frustrated when, you know, they don't know the answer to everything. It just comes with time and experience. Um, but the one thing I think that helped me in my third, fourth years and then kind of beyond uh, was sticking to a system, you know, each time uh, doing the same thing, whether you're, you're taking the same pattern of notes, presenting something the same way thinking about something the same way and not skipping things um, because we often want to, you get comfortable with something and then you can just say, oh, I understand that. But when you, medicine is complex. If you stick to a pattern, um, that really helps people as they move on. Mm -hmm. And it's tough as you go through third and fourth year because each six weeks or eight weeks, you end up changing to a different rotation. Yeah. And it actually happens in, in residency too. You kind of go from a general service to a CCU service to an intensive care unit service so um, it's constantly changing but that's what keeps it exciting so I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out how to do well um, because I think doing well in third year is is hard to do and and it does take some dedicated effort so I actually read a book it's called and I meant to look up the name, the exact title, but it's something like <laughs> how to do well as a third year medical student. <laughs> so it's not so hard to find. Um, and I had gone to a conference kind of 
I think right after I took step one and it was like a preparing for third year conference. And some of the things that I took away from that session that I held on to and also tell people to do. So one is reading that book. And some of the key things that I pulled out of the book is questions that are asked, whether it's in morning report or in rounds, tend to get harder the further along you go down the line. So it's better to answer the very first question <laughs> rather than to wait until the third question because the third question is probably going to be harder than the first question. <laughs> so I think that's a trick that I actually still use as a resident when I know that whatever we're talking about is maybe not my strength, but I don't want to seem like a complete bobblehead. So I'm going to say something early on and let the other people figure out the hard stuff. <laughs> Another thing that I found to be very helpful is that there's very few times on rotations that you have where you're able to study. And so one other tip that's a little bit odd, but I found it very helpful is that when you're using the restroom as a woman, you're sitting down and you're, everyone has a cell phone. And to use that time to do some questions. And so I even do that as a resident because now I'm starting to study for my boards. Is anytime I'm sitting down, I'm doing some questions. And maybe it's just a few questions when I'm using the restroom. In the that's middle that's of the a great day. idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like U World or what right. you, whatever yeah, it is. Like for me thing. now, it's MKSAP or MixAP or whatever mm -hmm. you call it. But um, so I, I still do that, and I think it can be very helpful. Do you review the questions right after you do them, or do you just do questions? I just do them, yeah. and I glance at the information. I mean, it's obviously not a high-yield study period, but I think that it can help you I think it's get huge. your volume I, up. So I, I just took my board exams this year for internal medicine. Good job. Certified. Um, but I'm still doing questions, to be honest with you. And... and it's because it's like the, the apps themselves have like changed the dynamics of how we learn things. Mm -hmm. So like I, I don't really have books anymore. You can get apps um, for every single thing, whether it's like doing a daily EKG mm -hmm. or like doing a daily chest X-ray, which mm -hmm. I've started doing again. Um, you know, so it, like definitely doing them and just doing them on the fly because you add those up over seven days or just five days, right? So you do two questions, 10 questions in that week's going to be easier because you're never going to have the time to sit down and just do an hour of stuff. Yeah. And the third tip and final tip is don't let whoever you're working with push you be the person to push yourself. So no one can ever work you harder than you can work yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think I still as a resident have that attitude that there's no attending that can intimidate me because I'm working myself harder than any attending can work me. And as a medical student, there was no resident that could intimidate me because I was working harder than they could possibly imagine pushing me. And so I think it helps you also when you're feeling tired and you're feeling like this is a lot to be like, but it's also for my own personal growth as a doctor because I want to be as strong of a physician as I can possibly be. And so to try and maintain that perspective can be really helpful. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually great. kind of huge. It's 
that a, a lot of what third and fourth year, well, less fourth year, definitely third year and probably residency comes down to is like your attitude and mm -hmm. right. It's very easy to get jaded and feel like despair and that you know you can't do something. So, my and Lauren, let me ask you a question, mm -hmm. please. How many different um, medical students have you worked alongside of in your years? Of I wouldn't quite be able to count, but yeah. I mean, at least at least half our class almost, like in terms of yeah. a clinical rotation, probably. You're, always, you're usually always partnered up and yeah, and at least working with a few others. Yeah. Right, and it changes a lot, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that is similar in residency. You know, we have 100 residents, and we all work in like with different ones on different rotations. But that's one of the, I think most important things is, is like what Dr. Campo was saying was like working together or don't let someone who you're paired up against I guess change the way you are but like constantly it's just trying to find to like work together with um, and work in the right way um, because that's one of the main things that like attendings, residents, everyone's looking for um, because it's uh, medicine such a team sport mm -hmm. um, so to be able to like work with so many different people you have to be able to adapt, you know, your, you know, the way you work a little bit. It's not changing who you are, but you also want to adapt to different things. It's different than when you're in the book years because a, mm -hmm. a lot of medical students have their study group of three or four or whatnot. So it's adapting, and, and that's what really being in a hospital is all about because you're constantly working with the nurses, the physical therapists, the respiratory therapists. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a big team sport. I feel like that's really good advice for people going into their clinical years too because, I mean, people here are competitive and they want to compete with each other, but you do better and patients no do better. Here, you see Davis. Never, no gunners, yeah. But people do better and the teams work better when people work together. And um, I, I think that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is just be part of the team, and especially as a third year. I mean, you, your, your job is to be a good third year med student um, and be a good teammate to the rest of the people that you're working with. Um, and I think, I don't know if people emphasize that enough to us that we should be working with other people and not just competing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, it, it really is for attendings, residents, everyone, when you're talking about, hmm, how do we evaluate, you know, the medical students on our team? It's it's kind of like everyone wins mm -hmm. or, or no one wins almost mm. because – if, if everyone's doing, like, well, like, you have to pick the other people up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you know the answer to every question and you're constantly trumping the other person, mm -hmm. that can be a bad thing. If you're also, you're not speaking up at all, that can be a bad thing. So it, it's really finding that fine balance of kind of working uh, as a team. And it's tough, but that's part of the challenge. Yeah. I think everyone wants to work somewhere where they're having a fun time with other people. And if you think about that, it's like, yeah. Well then, of course, the part of part of succeeding as a th third year would be being like a friendly, fun person to be around, and like enjoying yourself and helping other people enjoy themselves, and it making makes the third environment year that much better. Yeah, it's all about attitude, like you said. Yeah, and at the same time, I think it can feel you can feel very. It's very easy to feel defeated, right? Because mm -hmm. your knowledge base is so. You are learning so much. You are applying. You've learned all these things a certain way. And now you have to rethink 
your foundation in medicine that was so hard to get. Just that little bit of knowledge was so hard. Now someone's asked you to rethink everything that you know. And so I think that can be very intimidating. And it's really important to remember like who you are as a person, right? Mm -hmm. That you still have things that you are interested in, things that make you happy, and to try and play towards your strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're happy, it's easy for other people to be happy around you. And it's easy easier to feel like this is a lot of fun, but when someone's really hard on themselves, they often get really quiet and kind of retreat, and, and then it's not fun for anybody, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, this is kind of a theme that we've had coming up about a little bit of self-forgiveness in learning, mm -hmm. in like allowing yourself, understanding that you're going to forget things and that that's just okay and that you're going to, part of learning is actually forgetting and then relearning and relearning and relearning and having some patience with yourself as a third year, I think, goes a long way. And the concept of things being just good enough, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's not going to be perfect. We are... We go into med we make it through the doors of medical school because we are so good and we are such high achievers. And now someone's telling us to be average or just good enough, which is a hard concept for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so be forgiving. Yeah. Let it go. Right? We say like frozen theme song. Yeah. We say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> so true. Now, going back a little bit more into just kind of the teaching side of things, do you guys have any people that you remember from either medical school, residency, or even way before then that you kind of identify as, like, the kind of teacher you want to be or someone that made an impression on you or, you know, left you with a skill set that you're hoping to employ when you teach? Yes. So, one of my first... My big mentor in medical school, his name is Salvatore Maggione, and he's coming to UC Davis on April 6th to give grand rounds from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he's from Italy. He's one of my favorite people in the world because he brings history, animation, and passion into medicine, everything he teaches. So when I see him teach, I want to be... I want to be animated. I want to be colorful. I want to not worry about the things I say um, and just basically like make it interesting and fun. And he knows, he knows so much about everything. Uh, he's a super smart dude, which we all can't be. I know I'm not as smart as him, but I take the little things from him and be like, if I try and throw the history into this, the story, the interesting thing, um, and be passionate about it, that's what I, I try to do. Whoever's listening should come to Grand Rounds on April 6th and watch it. You know, that's actually, that's awesome that you say that because you literally do that, Steve. Like you, like we were just talking about, um, you taught us about werewolves and porphyria. And I will never forget werewolves and porphyria because you were enthusiastic and you made it, you know, brought history and pictures and, and it was interesting. And so I, when I had to teach people, taught them that. Because you did, and it was fun, and it now makes complete sense that your mentor and person was somebody who did the exact same thing, and 
I, I honestly, I don't think I'm going to forget werewolves in <laughs> Well, thank awesome. you. Werewolves do exist. I I, believe I'm it. now, you have convinced me. <laughs> you know, I also just went, we had a, my, a session, a teaching session and doctoring um, with Dr. Henderson, and he, he was teaching us about micro-teaching, little teaching in one to two minute segments, and he said, he told us that the number one uh, characteristic that learners value in teachers above all is enthusiasm, mm -hmm. so goes a long way for sure yeah I mean I feel like I've had so many amazing mentors or amazing like I've worked with amazing physicians and I think along the way I've picked up little tidbits of things that I try to integrate and sometimes do and sometimes forget about it <laughs> so I think one of one of the people that I always looked up to as a medical student was a chief resident on the surgery service and what she said was she said Olivia there's nothing that you can do that I can't fix so you do whatever you want to do and I won't let you hurt anybody but I mm. want you to just go for it mm. and I think that's something that I've really tried to do with my medical students is I try to gauge and it's really hard because everyone needs different things but I try to give them as much as they want to take on so some students are really wanting to be autonomous and really wanting a lot of independence and and I'm confident in myself enough as a resident that I know that I know how to be there for them when they need me and I know that I'm not going to allow them to do anything that's going to hurt somebody. Mm. And so I really try to give people an experience of, if I were the only doctor here, what would that look like? But knowing all the time that I'm standing right behind them. And I think part of that is creating a really positive learning environment. So, you know, here at Davis, we have, we are lucky to work with people like Jorge Garcia, who are really experts in creating the positive learning environment. And so even though it's hard when you're tired and you're not feeling very enthusiastic to show up and to care about everyone there and to give them your heart and your soul, I think that he is such an amazing example of somebody who does that over and over again. And of course, Dr. Ronowitz, who always is so excited and I'm like, genuinely yeah. genuinely excited and I'm like I wonder how many nails he has he has looked at <laughs> like, how many sets of nails has he looked at and every time he looks at them it's like it's the first time he's ever seen nails and I'm truly in awe by that it's all like it's really amazing that he brings all that excitement Oh, Dr. Hen you know, of course, Dr. Henderson is truly passionate about teaching and heart murmurs. Heart murmurs. Yeah. So chest X-rays. For yeah, us, yeah. it's chest X-rays. Yeah. What is that? What is that? And you're like, I don't know. What that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And maybe as a kind of final wrap-up question here. Um, I know you guys, you guys have both alluded to kind of study questions, and I think that's something that's become a thematic piece throughout everyone we've interviewed is, you know, it, we don't rely as much on reading textbooks as, as challenging your knowledge, which I actually think your example of allowing someone to make a decision, it's kind of like a, a, it's kind of like a test question. It's like, 
really like put my money down on something. What am I going to do? Which is what Olivia used to try and make me do when I was a third year. And I was like, I don't know. She would be like, what's the plan? Put your money down on something. And that's, it's similar to a test question in that you like, you put out an answer and then you get feedback and you find out if it's right or not. But in addition to that, are there any other kind of like tools that you guys like in terms of keeping track of, oh, I read a good journal article and maybe I want to be able to reference it later or I don't know, notes apps you take, too. anything else mm -hmm. like that that you found useful as residents? Yeah, there's a good app that I always recommend. So there's a few. One is the Diagnosaurus app. It gives you a differential. Okay. It gives you a differential for nearly every presentation. So... If you run out of what else could be causing this, mm -hmm. I think that's a great resource. And then there's an app called Journal Club, which is an app that has all of the major studies within each subspecialty. And not everything is there, but it's definitely a great place to start if you're trying to figure out how do I go about working through like sur all these different surgery, OB, you know, all these different subspecial or different areas of medicine. Um, and then obviously there's like, you know, the up to date and um, AAFP websites, which are probably the two I use the most in referencing stuff. Yeah, I, I think that there's, there's almost like a, an overload of information now with how many apps there are and all the things you can look at. You know, even up-to-date articles, like you want one question answered and it gives you like, it vomits out like five different articles on just scleroderma or something. So one thing that always helped me when I was in medical school, like I didn't learn unless I wrote something down, mm -hmm. right? So I had to, once I wrote it, I owned it mm -hmm. and then it was in my brain, right? So when I went through my rotations in third and fourth year, I had a book, you know, so so some people use like a green book or purple or whatever color book it is, the Massachusetts General Hospital, you know, book. Um, I use the hospitalist handbook, which is by UCSF. But like to me, it was only it was only as valuable as, as, as I as the notes I wrote in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have something you one thing you can carry, you're able to write your notes and that's helpful. Um, but there's also apps. So the one thing that I do use is app called Agile MD, um, which allows you to actually take notes on different um, handbooks. So it has the hospitalist handbook in it. So if we're like, it will tell me everything about plural effusions and lights criteria. But to me, if I'm also able to take notes on it, it makes it like a lot more valuable. So something you're able to like kind of make as your own. And it's going to be different for every, every person, but try not to get overwhelmed with the amount of information that's on the apps. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, well, you guys are both masters of teaching in our eyes. Yeah. It's your, Thank you. you guys are famous. the future Aronowitzes and Hendersons yeah. of the universe. If I, I better yeah, start I looking at a few more nails. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read a little more. <laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, stopping in yeah, with us today. Thank you so much, and, and um, good luck with everything. I'm sure you're going to continue teaching us. Thank you. Good luck to all you kids out there. Now go out and have fun. <laughs> Yeah.